0: Weekly dose of science and technology on Radio Port Phillip with Piers Cunningham. And welcome to another Beyond Infinity special. We're talking with Simon Mulvaney of Save the Bees Australia. He's been on the show quite a few times and if you want to check out some of his past podcasts you can go to beyondinfinity.com.au and just do a quick search for simon mulvaney and you'll find those podcasts simon truth in advertising i just wanted to talk to you a little bit about this specifically because this has been something that you've been pretty passionate about and it's a big part of what's motivated you and your campaign on various subjects about honey in australia about bees, about insects. I mean, we had bushfires in Australia, you probably know that, I think there were estimates that it was in excess of a trillion insects. So it was over a billion native animals that have been wiped out in those massive bushfires in Southeast Australia, but also in excess of a trillion insects. So a huge impact. What what does that make you feel? You must be pretty horrified by those sort of figures.
1: Yeah, horrified. And I've seen the um, personal pain um, from the beekeepers who have lost hives and obviously the suffering that goes along with fires it's it's overwhelming one thing that i I was shocked at this week is that they're doing a million drops Uh, in new south wales they're dropping a million over a million 1080 baits Mm -hmm. to um, tackle things like feral pigs horses goats but they said yeah of course there's going to be collateral damage with the native animals and um really gets to me when i visualize that I, I, I could barely sleep at night one night thinking about it is that they've somehow survived the fires and now they're getting poisoned like and and who's making the decisions and native, native
0: animals go for those those uh those baits as well they say
1: less Mm. You know, but they're saying wedge-tail eagles—they go for the baits, and and the goannas do. So there is going to be collateral
0: damage, mm. and then they've also got shooters
1: going in there. And apparently so, they,
0: so their argument would be they'd be taking advantage of this of the bushfire, sort of clearing things out, making it more accessible uh, to go in there and, and uh, tackle the 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 feral animal problem. Their that's, argument, that's their argument.
1: No, their argument is that there's so limited food for anything out there when the first sprouts of grass start coming up that the the pigs and the horses and the goats will will get all the nutrition and the the wallabies and and um the other species um won't get a chance and it, it, it's one of those dilemmas, uh, I don't know, and um, but one thing I do know from the start of my fights, um, particularly against these corporations like Monsanto and Bayer, is I don't trust the scientists either. So some scientists said, oh no, this is going to be fine, um, we're going to you know, help indigenous animals this way. Um, i I don't completely trust them and i know in new zealand they do big drops of 1080 for the possums Mm. and the possum population hasn't been decimated it hasn't seemed to work and Mm. i know we've done the same thing with foxes too Mm. so i haven't got the total solution here i just think
0: poisoning creatures is a bad move Mm. in general Moving on to truth in advertising, this applies to so many products and it's quite confusing. If you go to a supermarket in Australia, you know, it'll say made of 75% or 73% or weird numbers, 82% or 89% local and the balance and 11% imported ingredients. It just seems to be a loophole that allows companies to bring in substantial quantities of food substances that get added to Australian sourced ingredients and then they don't actually need to specify where they came from and it just allows for a lot of vagueness and and, i mean that's only one example of vagueness that happens with food uh you know and and yet we have all that nutritional information that's got to be put on on products by law and yet we you know when it actually comes to knowing where things are from it's quite vague
1: and it's mixed products; they get away with it. So, if if it was a tomato sauce coming purely from Italy, it would say 100% from Italy. But if it's coming, and and this is the tricky thing, that um, the companies here are doing, so they might have 80% of the product coming from China, and then they'll put 20% Australian in it, and then they'll put. 20 percent australian ingredients but the bulk of it is from china and they don't have to put china on the label so i just couldn't work out when i was looking at the honey at the supermarkets why you would mix honey anyway like i don't mix my honey why 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 they save you money you can you can fill up more jars exactly well that's how it works and so i like you in in any anything that you're doing in life if people are uh, you know if they did it with your petrol and and cut your petrol with something and your car didn't work as much you'd be pissed off so mm-hmm. i think um understandably there's been a big outcry from consumers to say and, and for me, how hard is it to put the country on it? Mm. I can't you just put mm. China. So and why, don't,
0: and why don't you want to? Because yeah. because maybe the country you're bringing it from has got pollution issues or has got chemical issues that that are finding their way into food. You
1: and know? how come? Australia's written on the label three times, but not the other countries that you're getting the stuff from. Mm. Um, so, and
0: the way that they bury it, you know, when they don't want you to see where this is made, you know, mm. like to look at it. I often find myself looking at packaging on, you know, a packet of biscuits or something, and just trying to find where is this actually made? Because it's it's quite it's it's a good price. So I'm thinking it's possibly not made in Australia, because it's. Usually, the cheaper food is actually coming from overseas, and you, you know the the way that they bury it. Whereas, if it's a place that's a destination that that's going to be good for people, for the consumer who's going to go, oh, it's it's made there. That's that that appeals to me. Then that'll be really easily found. But if it's from somewhere that's that's not going to appeal, they bury it. They have to show it. In some cases, and and they can get around that because they can say made from partly Australian, partly overseas imported ingredients. That's one of the loopholes. And
1: and I don't want to be rude um, about just the one country, but quite often when they're burying it, nearly all the food has been coming from China Mm. and and. Understand and understandably people have been concerned about the pollution issues over there even the chinese um don't want their own produce a lot of the time particularly when it comes to powdered milk and health products
0: well they've just bought a big powdered milk company in australia which is going to be a, a way of them guaranteeing supply because well, you know previously they were, there was almost a black there was a black market in in powdered milk from australia
1: so they did that with the honey industry here and they've been buying, um, a lot of Chinese bought buying the actual land where you put the bees on and that's another way of them, you know, sort of shoring up their supply of quality goods.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, so what 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 changes do you think need to be made in uh, in product, in, in, in advertising and in, in what's disclosed openly and sort of without any confusion and and, and you know, the clarity uh, on, on goods.
1: This one's an easy answer. Just put the country on it. Like, mm. how can't we have that law? And um, I was talking to an activist in, in the United States that was complaining that it was too small, mm. but at least they had the country on the
0: label. Mm. Um, That's in the case of it being 100% imported. So we, I think if, if something's 100% um made elsewhere in the way of a food, food product, then I think it does have to have it, and that's when they bury it. But when it, and this is where, this is the loophole, is that if something can be... um, You know, forty percent Australian and sixty percent from overseas, or even smaller percentage from local produce, and the rest for imported ingredients. Particularly for things that blend, you know, sauces and tomato paste or things like that, things that people use all the time, they can get away with not specifying where that that percentage because it's not a hundred percent imported. They can get away with not saying where it was imported from, that the the overseas component.
1: The argument they're put up towards me for that is the fact that um there's sometimes too many countries that they can put on the label (laughs) and and um like for my examples probably a simple one with honey and um one woman's um a lobbyist for a company i was dealing with said well sometimes we've got argentinian mexican and Chinese honey and Australian. Do you expect us to put four different names on the label? Well, why not? Oh, what's your problem yeah, with doing that? Yeah, exactly. And what's the
0: point of even? I mean, if you know, because you would know how those things are blended together, right? They would mm. know. Mm. I mean, unless if they don't know, then that's a worry in itself. But if they do know what the the pro, you know even within a you know say allowing for you know I don't know a few percent margin of error five percent margin of error, mm. uh, but you know if they said okay it's twenty percent Argentinian ten percent Mexican. 30% Chinese, and the balance is Australian. I mean, what's the problem with doing that? Like, you know, let people realise that, that, that that's the way the food industry works. And then they can make their choice informed based on price, based on their perception about the safety or reliability of those destinations. You know?
1: Another person I'd spoken to who had been chatting to the CEO of Woolworths said that 80% of the packaged goods now in Woolworths are coming through China. And so you've got this situation. If that's the case, that they can't afford to let people know that we've sort of lost, I guess,
0: in in our terms in 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 going for local produce. Okay, so you're either going to pay more and support local local producers and and have the comfort of knowing that you're buying from Australia, which has got a good reputation for the quality of its agricultural products, or you pay less and you know what you're getting as well. I mean that's really what it comes down to. If you want to save if that's money true, you can't.
1: Because people quite often use that all, uh, that argument to me. It's a consumer's fault that they don't want, don't want to buy more. Well, it's not because a consumer isn't being fed the right information. Mm, yeah. They're not told what's actually in it. They're not told that it's from China. So I don't actually blame the consumer. Mm. I blame the the weasel words on a lot of these packages mm. that are actually stopping the consumers from buying something that they may have thought was Australian.
0: What are the commercial advantages from from manipulating or massaging the information about food products? What, what are the commercial advantages? I mean, is it it's 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 just purely cost? Well,
1: we're in a situation now where there's wealthier people overseas than in Australia, so we've got our <laughs> good produce all our best produce is going over there Mm. and in return we're importing what we may think is australian a lot of the time but it's actually cheaper stuff and so I, i imagine there's probably not on individual items even that much margin on them but when you're doing really bulk systems and bulk purchases there's a few making a huge amount of money and the majority not doing that well mm. so it, it's sort of nearly a race to the bottom mm. how are you going to stop it? it it's not actually as easy as saying well consumers have to buy more it, it's this um power oh. that the duopolies have got like coles and woolworths and maybe aldi that the options aren't there and people have just become used to these systems where we have to shop at the supermarkets because there's no other food available Mm. we're a tiny bit different on the mornington peninsula there are options like transitional farm there's a few local growers that do food for us and i obviously do honey and i know people who
0: who are growing yeah, there's market gardeners? You can go. You can go and buy it out of the farm and, and gate. And for that me, sort of that's stuff. the
1: beautiful solution. Mm. And then uh, I think we spoke earlier about um, the coronavirus and how a lot of food can't get out at the moment, and some of the prices are coming down, and some of this high quality food might end up on our shelves. Mm. And so there's another solution that I can see is that maybe we should be do- using localized farming here and i don't know if that means a move towards more tariff system or not the sugar tax what do you think about that oh i, I like i love the sugar tax in yeah. terms so of yeah so that would
0: be because it's it's this sort of marketing driven and advertising driven addiction to packaged food that we've that we've been sold through you know the idiot box through ads on youtube through you know just the advertising industry is Mm. programming people to to want to consume certain types of food in preference you know try getting a kid to eat vegetables these days yeah and and, and it's funny
1: because during this journey i I understand how you can sort of brainwash people or trigger their thinking in in a certain way i wrote an, an article where i was critical of the words raw and unfiltered and immediately the people in the feed jumped to the conclusion that i was i was saying that it was an imported product it was actually australian honey and they're going take take you know we don't want your chinese crap and i hadn't mentioned china in the label at all they had just gone so used to it so um People don't necessarily read things and these marketing companies know that and they play on it. So they're very sophisticated. In some ways, you know, I I would use the word poison to describe the amounts of sugar in some of the soft Mm -hmm. drinks and and what it ends up doing to people. Yep.
0: And don't forget that, you know, sugar only became popular in Europe when they got into the West Indies, I think it was in the Caribbean, where, where, they, where the sugar was, was able to be grown. And so, it, so prior to that, you know, they didn't have sugar. So sugar was a huge hit in, in Europe when it first became available because it made everything taste really good you know that our palates had been sort of had grown up on you know this without without cocoa you know, that came from south south america so the world changed because of it. you know it's the, the the spice trade you know from from well, indonesia it affected
1: the honey industry too because when sugar came out people didn't need to keep bees as much and then mm. it affected pollination and and so there was a run on effect there mm yeah it's that um huge monoculture style of farming, I think that's really damaging. Mm. And then um, we talk about sugar and and the way they grow that. They have to use neonicotinoids and other substances to control the moth. They did try the cane toad; yeah, um, that didn't work. That, did, <laughs> that was a bit of a disaster. A, I think there was a
0: beetle that they brought in that also went out of control. That's why they brought the cane toad in. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there was all sorts of disasters of, of of things that have been brought into Australia and had uh, had had terrible effects. I mean, you just have to look at you know noxious weeds on the Mornington Peninsula and the national park on the on the ocean coast yeah. is, is pretty insane as well. So we could keep on. Talking about all this stuff for ages, but um, I'd like to thank Simon Mulvaney from Save the Bees Australia. His website: be the cure. Uh, social media media handles once again, please. Um,
1: Save the Bees Australia on Instagram and Facebook. Yep. And,
0: and... All right. Look, thanks so much, Simon. Congratulations about your your outcome with Capilano. With a, it, must be a load off your mind and a load off your shoulders to uh, to have all that resolved finally. We look forward to sort of hearing what what your future activities are but really interesting to talk about you know this very important subject of truth in advertising and clarity in advertising and not sort of using the existing laws that try to control this to uh to bury information that people want to see that consumers want to see about uh you know what 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 are safe things to be feeding your kids and your families
1: i'll just clarify that i'm speaking broadly about all products at the supermarket yeah
0: thanks simon Thanks for listening. We'd love you to review us on iTunes. It's a great way to let others know if you've liked our podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Beyond Infinity RPP on Facebook or Infinity RPP on Twitter.